that was Lainey Lou and the Bird Dogs playing us in. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. And I'm Brent. And we're the Grizz Fan Podcast. And we're back, all three of us, this week, Luke. Feeling a little better. You're not all the way back, but you're taking one for the team. You know, I felt better midweek, and then our trip to Idaho kind of put me back. Um, you know, I didn't realize you were sick last week. I, I literally thought you were interviewing Jamarcus Russell, so <laughs> I um, I was kind of hoping to hear more about that. Yeah. You bailed on me. <laughs> <laughs> you and the entire Raider Nation. <laughs> so the trip to Idaho, though, like I almost... I had to text the group, like, hey, guys, I'm still feeling crappy. But the day of, I woke up and felt, like, terrific. And so wasn't going to say anything. But staying out till 2.30 in the morning. It was late. At the casino. Yeah. Does Stacy know this? <laughs> <laughs> the look on your face makes me think you haven't told Stacy. Uh, no, Stacy knows. She's accepting. <laughs> okay. I only lost 10 bucks at the casino, Mom, if you're listening. <laughs> you might want to talk to Dylan, though. <laughs> that night, that night put me under. I was, I, I'm back sick. I got a sinus infection or something. I don't know. Yeah, we got two buddies who were on the trip who uh, both live in DC, but they, uh, they're good blackjack players. So we watched that for quite a while, and it was interesting. <laughs> I'm just a little mad that we skipped Laser Quest. Everyone was like, "When are we going to go to Quest? When are we going to Quest?" And I was really excited because I thought it was Laser Quest. It was the Quest Casino and Resort. (laughs) (laughs) Different types of fun. Anyway, it was a great trip. We'll get into that a little bit more. (laughs) So we went to the game, and the Grizz had another successful week. Yeah, you know, um, they've won games they should win, right? Yeah, I mean, outside of the Portland game, right? And Western Ooh. Illinois, but okay, Ooh. we're we're bringing up. We're bringing I was up. just meaning the last two weeks. Well, oh, okay. Oh my God. I well, I don't know. We're thinking ahead already, but no, they they look really good against Idaho. Mike, you and I talked about this last week. Like we were worried was Southern Utah like a fluke? I well, don't think so. I want to say at the end of last week's pod, if anybody didn't think that what happened this week, this past weekend, was going to happen, I told you we were going to kick their ass. You did. Yeah, uh, I, didn't. I um, didn't. I didn't see it. But what's interesting to me is, is in the second half when we were just kind of milking the clock out and stuff, I was just sitting there thinking, like, last week this Idaho team beat North Dakota. Yeah. I mean, it, the Grizz this year have been so inconsistent. <laughs> I think that what we've seen the last two weeks is that we haven't shot ourselves in the foot. Yeah. When we don't do that, I think that we could mix it up with a lot of really good teams and put teams down like we did these last two weeks. You know what's interesting is, and, and Brent, I want to get your take on this in a, in a second, because the Idaho D-line is good. Linebackers are good, too. Yeah, so it's like um, our line rose to the occasion, so I think that's part of it. I think that they got challenged, and, and they've kind of, the last two weeks, taken, the, taken that opportunity and kind of rose to it. But the other thing that I think is clear is, the offensive staff clearly made some adjustments to what they're doing. Like they have made Sneed throw the ball down the field a little bit more, which I know I've been harping on that all year. But look what's happened in the last four games. I mean, Sammy Akem has two touchdowns each of the last four games. It's like it's like something kind of switched, and they realized we need to we need to make sure we call enough plays to throw the ball downfield. To kind of open things up a little bit. You agree with that? Yeah. Well, I mean, outside of um, 
Jeremy Calhoun deciding not to play. That's a whole other conversation. Um, wow. <laughs> well, you notice that uh, direct quote, so don't... That's a can of worms. Wow. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but you look at, like, the Grizz offense has suddenly become like this, like, it's not just stop the short pass. You know, it's like, okay, Snead is running. Jerry Louis McGee is running. We're throwing deep passes. We're 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 running the ball more. We're we're pulling guards and centers. I mean, it's it's all of a sudden it looks like a complete offense. So all of a sudden it's not just like that stretch where we had in the three game losing streak where it was basically like hit Snead and take away the short route and you mm-hmm. win the game. And suddenly it's like, well, now you got to watch the deep ball with the camp. And now you got to watch the edge with the with the pulling lineman. And all of a sudden it's it, it's just a tougher offense to contain. And it seems like the last couple of weeks we've seen new wrinkles every week. Yeah. And like this week, uh, Jerry Lou McGee actually took some snaps as a running back almost. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, he ran for a touchdown on a fairly traditional running play. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's... Are, are one of our most electric playmakers. Yeah. I mean, him, Salser, uh, it's like you put the ball in the hands of the playmakers. And so it's kind of interesting with the with the whole Calhoun not playing, uh, Jeremy Calhoun, that is, and um, just designing the offense to, okay, how are – because that was like both these last two weeks, both Southern Utah and Idaho, it was – I mean, Jerry Lou McGee, it was pass game – return game and now run game it's just get him the ball more and so it's been kind of interesting because it felt like early it was you had to throw away everything that Stitt did you know where it was like oh you know because Stitt always talked about like give me more Jerry like more cowbell more Jerry so it was like oh fuck this like Jerry Louis McGee is gonna play backup safety now (laughs) you know what I'm saying but it's like it was burn it down Luke But so then suddenly it's like, you know what, like Southern Utah is like Jerry got a ton of touches doing everything and we just we just kicked the shit out of him. And then suddenly it was like, okay, now what are we going to do? Now we're down our starting running back. And, okay, let's hand the ball off. The first run was kind of eh. But then after that, like his other runs were, were good. I think he, conver- he scored a touchdown and I think he converted a third down as well too. So it was like, yeah. mm-hmm. I'll bet we see more of it this week too. It's going to be interesting. I just think that it's so clear as a fan in the stands. You might not see it in the in the paper or like in the stat book, but the deep stabs down the field is so different than the first half of the season. Um, even if they miss miss the pass, they're throwing it deep and stretching the field vertically. We saw a lot of stretch the field horizontally trying to open up the middle, mm-hmm. but this is a much more effective way to counter that punch of filling the box. Yeah, I mean, Snead uh, was 12 of 20 for 220 yards, so this is two straight games where his yards per attempt is over 10. Yeah. And it's like, I know that some people don't think that matters, but it 100% matters because that means you are opening up that underneath. Like, they can't cheat on you. Yeah, and I mean, like, you look at that, like, of the 12, like, what? One was a 65-yard-ish to Sulcer, mm-hmm. and there was... One or two others that were... Cam was 50-plus yards. Cam was 50-plus. the prettiest pass I've ever seen Dalton Sneed throw. That was his best pass. And I need to be honest here. Like, I was uh, (laughs) sitting next to one of our buddies, and when Sneed let that go, I was like, he overthrew that. And then when we scored the touchdown, everyone celebrating, I I turned to Luke on the other side, and I confessed that I (laughs) said out loud, oh, he overthrew that. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I mean, 80% of the time you're right. Yeah, so. I mean, <laughs> Mike, that's, that's a great Catholic in you to yeah. admit your sins. You gotta admit you were wrong <laughs> and move on. So let's kind of go through the scoring real quick and just kind of uh, step by step because um, you know, Idaho got a quick field goal. We had a three and out to start the game, but then things kind of rolling. And Solser, I mean, his, his longest pass play of the year. And boy, I mean, we knew he was fast, but he caught that ball wide open. And there were two guys, Idaho guys, that definitely had angles, like any other receiver on the team. And I think that they probably catch him. But Solser is like, like, it's like hitting turbo on Madden. You know, he just caught the ball, turned around, and took off 59 yards. I mean, you watch that on replay. The guys are, the, the two safeties that he's in the middle of, like, they're at his level on the field. And when he's in the end zone, they're like five to seven yards behind him. Now, yeah. they got field to cut across, but they couldn't come close to keeping up. That was such a pretty pass by Sneed. He got a lot of protection on that, stepped up in the pocket, and rifled it for a strike. Mm-hmm. And it was one, it was like, wow, like, these are the type of throws your quarterback can make if they're given yeah. like a three Mississippi, <laughs> which sounds like maybe you should get a handful of those, uh, you know, a game yeah. maybe or a half. But we haven't gotten many of those all year, uh, and given an opportunity, you know, we score. Absolutely, uh, we force them to punt, get the ball back. No. No, we don't. This was an interception. Oh, we pick off Petrino. Yeah, which is great. Sandry, I mean, it's funny. Sandry's pick looked just like his pick he had the week. Well, I guess, te- did he have two the week before? No. Well, basically, one of the ones he had before yep. was Southern Utah. It was like, it was a ball that shouldn't have been thrown because he's right on the guy. But, hell, great for us. And just cuts in and takes it. But, honestly, Petrino, you're a quarterback indoor with two gloves on throwing a football. Come on, man. You know, he, he I fly back on. to Danny Warfel. <laughs> and somebody made this observation this weekend, but it's like he's just this teeny guy and he's got the gloves on his hands. And it's like. I think he has small hands. I was just going to say, is this the Alex Smith problem where his hands aren't big enough to grip the football? Will he flog? Remember? Oh, oh yeah. Nice. That was. Oh, man. Um, his roster says he's six one, Mike. He he's not six one. You can have <laughs> tiny hands at six one. My mom still opens jars for me. So, <laughs> so we get the ball back. We we pick it off. Um, uh, we have a five play, twenty seven yard drive. Ends All on the ground. Right? Adam Eastwood two yard touchdown run. Yeah, mostly just boom, boom, boom run yep. plays too. Yep. And this was the this is when you started to see this right. They started kind of going around this edge, and suddenly you're seeing this kind of big sweep where a lot of times 70 Martin and Meyer are leading like they're five six yards up the field and they're chipping away linebackers mm-hmm. and it's like, something we haven't seen where this come from but you know what I'll say is you know we had that long pass over the middle to a wide open Solcer yeah and that kind of opened things up because then all of a sudden as the game goes on all of a sudden Sneed's running like the fake pitch yeah run and it's like we haven't seen that for a couple of weeks Working well consistently, yeah, and Snead another huge game on the on the ground. Yep, one hundred and thirty nine yards, I think. Twenty nine, twenty nine, yeah. yeah. Um, so end of the first quarter, fourteen three. Get the ball back again. Um, six plays, eighty seven yards drive, and it ends with the prettiest pass that we've seen Dalton Snead throw. Hits Sammy Kem at about the three yard line, and Kem kind of takes his momentum into the end zone. I mean. Yeah, that I mean, it was really exciting in live, right? I mean, I'm sure it was awesome on TV too, but 
I wouldn't could've... know because we were there. I could have sworn. Is that a subtweet? Is this a subtweet? Are you Sorry. subtweeting me on the pod? Oh, my God. I didn't notice you. <laughs> Your Oregon's nice this time of year. Oh, side note, we decided we're going to Oregon, but you're not invited. You can go with your wife. <laughs> and you're taking Sammy, too. So I, I swore to God, like, I looked at uh, the guy I was sitting next to, and I thought... If we run the ball, if we flip to Bobby Ball with like the smallest lead, I'm going to be so pissed. And for whatever reason, we didn't. We, we continued to take stabs, and it just felt like this is the moment I thought we're a different team these last two games, and hopefully three games, hopefully. than we have been in the first part of the season. Yeah, 100%. I and, mean, and you know, before the, before the deep bomb, Idaho shot themselves in the foot. Because head coach yes. gets personal foul on, what was it? It was like third and 11 or 12? Yeah. It was a third and long. Was, could, you, could you tell more? No, hell no. no he, well, so, so on the TV, the prior series, Evan Epperly was like pulling on the jersey of the whoever. I don't know if it was a wide receiver or it was a tight end. And it was an incomplete, and they wound up punting him. Petrino just loses his mind. So they show on the camera, he's screaming, and he's yelling, and... And what they said on TV, and I haven't seen anything of a follow-up of what it was, but through that series, until he got the foul, he was just talk, 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 talk. And obviously, he must have got multiple warnings. And then they just, and I mean, seriously, like, you can be pissed. I mean, the the game is full of missed calls on both sides. It, it's just part of it. And to basically... Con- Give a third down conversion because he wouldn't shut the hell up as the head coach. And then, like, what, two plays later, it comes in the end zone. I like the timing. Like, the referee <laughs> was probably like, oh, my God, I'm so sick of this guy. I know. I'm going to wait till a third and long. But I should shut up. And then it's just like, keep going, just keep going, just keep going. Uh, um, yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> um, so we come back, we get the ball back again, and uh, Snead has another good deep pass to a cam. Yeah. Doesn't quite score a touchdown, but still. Um, you know, five plays, 59 yards, less than two minutes, and then he hits a cam for the short touchdown pass, so 29-3. And then we fool him on the swinging gate. Yeah. I just, it, well, we were, I think when the swinging gate was on the touchdown before, but let's talk about that a little bit because that's the third time we've gotten a team to not cover correctly and gotten two points on the swinging gate. It's the next point. And it's like, I always thought that was automatic for people to just, like, follow it out. But that's the third time we've gotten two points. Uh, You just, you got to test some of these teams. And, I mean, Idaho, obviously, they recognize these guys are in a tailspin. I mean, what, the the preseason, one of the linebackers said he's getting ready for two rings, a big sky ring and a national title ring. Like, these guys, (laughs) these guys were just so fucked out of their minds. Like, they did not know. Like, this, this was... I don't know. You don't appre- like. It's tough to appreciate the rivalry because we haven't played each other for like fifteen years, you know. And then just like you're clinging for life in the season and uh, disorganized. Your coach has a personal foul. Like it's just I don't know. You know, Idaho is actually about who I expected them to be, but Luke. Oh, uh, Luke, are you officially out on Idaho now? I mean, are we done? Done? Not only am I out on Idaho, they were very easy to hate, <laughs> <laughs> especially their antics towards the end of the oh, game, which we'll talk about Lord, towards yeah. the end. Ooh, I'm interested yeah. to hear this. I've heard this. <laughs> anyway, so Idaho comes back. They get another field goal, uh, which, by the way, that first field goal 
uh, on the replay, that did not look good to me. Yeah, so we, I was watching it, and it goes up, and we're like, you missed, you missed, and then they say good, and so, of course, by virtue of not being there, we can back it up on TV and go frame by frame, and it, the, one of the very last rotations of the ball, it looks like the nose of the ball hides the upright. I think it went, it like, must have almost brushed against the top right upright by the frame by frame. It was super close. Hmm. It didn't matter in the end, but Again, it was super close. We have the technology. <laughs> we should have 10 feet on top of these poles. What's going on? You could be Idaho State and hang it from the roof. Well, these guys hang it from the roof too. No, it went over the top. It, was, it wasn't hung from the well, roof. Well, there's it's a wire. A, it's attached to the yeah, wall. Yeah, it's attached to the wall. Well, it didn't, a wire going it didn't bounce off the wire then, no. so it was good. Uh. Yeah. Bullshit. I, I don't accept your... <laughs> fake news. Yeah, fake news. <laughs> fake. Doctored videos. Either way, so 29-6. Um, we get the ball back, and this is, this is I think, the point where I don't probably just consider quitting. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, Sneed took... It was either the first play or the second play, designed run yeah. just around the edge and just beat everybody. Yeah. Somebody caught up to him, but it was a 60... Six yard run or something like that. 63, 62. 63, yeah. Uh, yeah. Gets caught two plays later. Jerry Lou Jerry, runs it in. The end zone, yeah. Touchdown. Yeah. I mean, that's 36 unanswered points at that point. Yeah. I mean, game's over. Well, 36 3 because they were but unanswered because they scored the yeah. first three and we scored the next 36. So we scored right? five straight touchdowns. Right? Or did they kick well, they, the field? They kicked the field. Oh, before. yeah. But either way. Right. Never mind. I mean, yeah, what a first half. Yeah. Um, and side note, Idaho should have scored at the end. I mean, th- that's the worst clock management <laughs> on a last drive of a half I have ever seen. <laughs> right? right? I mean, bad. ever. And they still almost scored, but Robbie Houck made a hell of a play to tip the ball. It was it was interesting because, like, the, the very first Idaho drive, I think that, that receiver there's Ungerer had a big catch and run that set him up. And it was Robbie didn't have the greatest angle. And there was a couple other plays. And so I was getting a couple messages of, you know, uh, some frustration towards number 17 and his angles. And credit him on that play because that was like sell out, arm up, and just just barely enough. And just changed the trajectory of that ball and the receiver couldn't catch it. Because receiver beat the corner. And uh, that was touchdown. And uh, I don't know if it was going to change the momentum so much, but just to have them, what was it in the pro- the play before they did they get sacked or something? Or I, like the, it was did, a play where the clock kept running, and they just stood around and looked at each other. Yeah, and they just snapped like, there it was no the urgency. Zone. It was weird. It, uh, watching on TV, I I didn't look at the clock, and I just figured they were just running a play because the clock had stopped or something, and so. They run off the field. It's like, oh, it's halftime. <laughs> so they fooled me too. <laughs> um, so at halftime, you're feeling pretty good about things. Uh, we dominated them in the half that really mattered. I mean, the second half was fine too, but the, this game was over. Yeah. Um, come back out, trade some possessions. Idaho finally scores a touchdown. Uh, Mason Petrino has a one yard run. Side note: Did you know that Mason Petrino's sister? Plays softball for the Lady Grizz. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. So. Uh, no, we can't hate on him too much, then, huh? I just—it's unfortunate that those guys aren't lucky enough to be Grizz, but good for his sister. <laughs> just being honest. Yeah. Good for her. 
<laughs> I like good softball. <laughs> we got nothing. So it's 36-13. Uh, we come back, 11 play, 65-yard drive. Dalton Sneed takes it in from one yard out, 43-13. Game over. So if you if the game wasn't already over, we traded touchdowns in the third quarter, and it's I mean it's done. And it was late. It wasn't like there was we were getting close to the end of the third. It, that was that was it for them. Yep. Fourth quarter, Idaho gets a touchdown. Um, they they put a bunch of yards up in the fourth quarter. They actually outgamed us because of it. It's but it was trash. Um, by the fourth quarter, Cam Humphreys was already in, handing off. Um, Wilson got snaps at quarterback. Garrett Graves got snaps at running back. That was awesome. Which was interesting. Um, there's a lot of those tough guys that Bobby Houck likes in that freshman class. <laughs> <laughs> um, then what drove me nuts is we had the ball, and if, if Idaho hadn't called a couple timeouts, we could have just, we could have just um, ran it out. But we we had to uh, punt it, or we kicked a field goal because they kept calling timeout. Well, which I hate. Yes, we had we had the ball on like our thirty four yard line, mm-hmm. and we punt the ball to them. Yeah, when we could have kicked a, a field net goal. of ten yards. It's like the game's over, guys. We're, yeah. yeah, and so we decide no, we're not going to run the score up. Um, although I think we could use all the practice. You know, I would have ran the score. We can get for a field goal, but Hell we yeah. punt the ball. Again. Then they come back and punt the ball to us. You know, we exchange punts again. And then they start calling timeouts to conserve clock, and they're trying to score. They're taking deep shots. They're throwing the ball to their Unger, their like, starting receiver, their best receiver, I think. He's still in the field. And I'm a little, like, ticked off. It's annoying. Like, I mean, it's just, it's obnoxious. It's like, it's, it's one of the many reasons college football fans hate Petrinos. <laughs> well, one of them's unemployed now. I was going to say, it wasn't the worst day of the Petrino family for <laughs> that brother. So, so, I mean, you look at it, though, all in all. I mean, hell of a game. Better team. I mean, this was, it was nice to see the Grizz be able to not just, to carry over what they did against Southern Utah, like to to go from beating a crap team to beating a okay-ish team. I mean, that team the week before beat North Dakota, who smoked us earlier in the season. So I got to say, though, Idaho being an FBS team with supposed FBS talent, I saw four guys on that roster that I thought were good. Unger, the, the big running back, what's his name, Saunders, and uh, the two brothers, the linebacker brothers, Ellis. Yeah. Outside of that, man, that team is garbage. No, what they had left of FBS talent graduated after they won that bowl game. Oh I mean, God. they yeah. they were nothing. I think the most important thing is uh, near the end of the game, and this is real, uh, we got a text message from Senator Tester. So this is verifiable. I mean, he didn't tweet it out for reasons I don't completely understand. But uh, he, he said that the reason we won the game is that Nugent was there in person. You saw it. Listen, I saw it. We got a text from Senator Chester, <laughs> and he gave all the credit to Mike because he's very fickle when it comes to complimenting the Grizz. <laughs> I just think he, he's the class A troll, and whoever your favorite team is is going to needle you. He's going to needle you. About, seems about right. We're nonpartisan here at the Grizz Fan Pod, um, but you you get a text from a sitting senator about the Grizz, and you're going to talk about it on the pod. <laughs> Um, any other things or notes or anything like that about the uh, the win over Idaho? You know, I, I would say I really enjoyed the game from Reggie Tillman. 
close to home, lots of family there. First sack of the year, right? First sack of the year. You know, he's had a couple of games now where he's really come on in a spot where the D-line, they've really needed to find some senior leadership. They've found it with Reggie, but they didn't find the production with him so far. He batted a pass for a pick last week. Uh, Sacked two and a half tackles for a loss. Lots of family there. I mean, it's close to home for the kid. I was I was happy for him to see that. On the other side, Jesse Sims getting hurt in junk time. God, I I mean, when you see a guy limp off, you you just assume that the next week's going to be a tough one. And Jesse Sims is tough as nails. I mean, he's playing with a you know after getting his thumb messed up a couple weeks ago. Tough to say if we're going to have him. I mean, because he had a hit. I don't know if you guys could see it on the field. Was was it Petrino or who was it he hit? He knocked that dude's helmet off. It was Unger. Yeah, Unger, receiver, yeah. yeah I mean, he comes behind the guy and, like, I don't think that, I don't think Unger has a chin strap because, like, we were looking for it when it was rolling. His on the helmet floor. came off, like, three times. Oh, yeah. I don't think he plays with a chin strap. And, but Jesse hit him and, like, the slow mo was, like, it was something. It was a sight to behold. Like, <laughs> snap, like, helmet and the facial expression. It was something. But that's like one of those things. It's like you hate, obviously, injuries. You never want to see them. But then the extra sting is like junk time injuries because I think we were up. I mean, big. And I know like D-line's thin. Like you got to still rotate starters in. So tough to say if we're going to see him. I would think if it – hopefully maybe it was just, you know, a, a precautionary thing. But, man, that that was like – you look at that D-line. I was, I was happy for Reggie for such a – like a big game for a senior guy to like in front of so many people close to home. But then on the flip side to see Jesse maybe be uh, tough to say. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to release anything. We'll find out game day, but just to see him get hurt in jump time, that, that sucks. Yeah. General rule about coach Houck is the less he says about something, the bigger the story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But let's talk about that for a second. Really quick going through stats. Uh, Sneed was 12 of 20 for 220 yards, three touchdowns, only one sack. The Grizz only threw the ball 22 times. Humphrey had two. Um, they ran it 43 times. So awesome on one hand, not so awesome. Sneed had 14 attempts for 134 yards, 129 net. Yeah. Big touchdown. Adam Eastwood had 11 for 30. It's only 2.5 yards carry. Elijah Lee had 5 for 18, 3.6. So, I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, this whole weird Jeremy Calhoun thing, like, we still have the same running back issues. He had 99 yards in the touchdown last week against Southern Utah. And we don't know his status now, moving forward. It decided well, not to play. It, it, it Pretty clear based on the quotes that Howe gave after the game <laughs> and today in his press conference. Basically, there's nothing to talk about. He doesn't want to play anymore. Yeah. That's it. I hope that decision sets well with Jeremy. <sighs> Because I guess if he doesn't want to play, he doesn't want to play. But I mean, I, he probably the rumor is that he went to Howe and asked if he could redshirt because he only played four games and he wants to be around next year and graduate with his twin brother. And I get that. And on one hand, I mean, he's I think players should be able to to a certain extent be a little bit selfish about their eligibility because you only get one college football career, right? Yeah. Yolo. And I think that oh jeez, I think that that. Wouldn't that mean you play? <laughs> Yopo? Yopo. <laughs> Yoro. You can only redshirt once. You only redshirt once. Yeah. Not if you play for Eastern Washington. They get oh, like a medical so redshirt. And then a but it's just shirt. weird, you know. But in, in, and, of course, like everything else, 
you know, there's going to be a million rumors flying around, and Egris has every theory in the world out there, and oh. I, I, it just, it's, I'm sure the truth is somewhere in the middle, but the whole thing's unfortunate. Absolutely. I mean, you go into this game, I'd love to have him, but I'd also love to have him next season. You know who I would give a lot of carries to this game? Giancaro. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Really? He was tough. What? So was Graves. He ran dudes over. Yeah. Fair enough. We have a lot of we have a lot of options. Yeah, a lot Elijah, of options. Elijah Lee's good. I'm just saying, at this point in the season, these guys have only played one game each. I would just give carries to the toughest sons of bitches out there. <laughs> um, so the plus side, Sammy Akem. Oh Sammy Akem's going to be an All Conference receiver. Has to be. He leads receivers in touchdowns. In touchdowns. He's got two, like two two touchdowns each of the last four weeks. Six receptions, 130 yards. I mean, and he's finally, he turned that corner in the last couple weeks and he's playing physical. Like, the, some of the balls he caught, he had to fight for in a way that he would not have done last so, year. There was a third down conversion where Snead is hit running forward through the pocket and a cam catches the ball, pins to his chest and rolls, hits the shoulder and rolls and holds it up in the air. And the Grizz hurry and run the hurry up, and they showed on the replay. It was clean catch. I mean, the his improvement this year from where he was last year, it's it's phenomenal. And this he's like he's like Randy Moss and the guys like weekly, and he's the size and the skill. It's just give him a jump ball, and he goes. It, it's incredible. It's great to see it. Um, on the flip side of that, I just don't understand. Where Tori is. Oof. I mean, there four guys caught passes this week. Last yeah. week. Four. And two were running backs, yeah. correct? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a chem. You had a chem? With six. Gabe Solster with two. And Gabe Solster, I mean, yeah, he's a receiver, but he's like number five on the receiver depth chart, really. I mean... Yeah, probably number three, right? Yeah, now he's... <laughs> I mean, it's different now, but... Yeah, no, um, I can't say that. He's not a... Consi- it's like they put him in and there's a certain place for him, but he's not like a... the design, yeah. Yeah. Adam Eastwood had three catches, including an awesome one on the sidelines that he got his foot in, so credit to Adam yeah, Eastwood Yeah, that was there. a great catch, yeah. And Jerry Lou McGee had two. That was it. I mean, Toure none. Curran none. Curran had some targets. I don't even think Toure had a target. I don't think... That's... I don't think they threw the ball at him. Uh, none of the tight ends... I think even had a pass Which is weird away. because they've been such a good big part of the offense. But I think it was just that they found something that was working and we got so far ahead that it was just like we don't need to be diverse. So it, it's it's probably like dumb to look at it this way. But like game plan wise, I mean, you just you totally threw a wrench in the whole thing of like suddenly like for the, heading into cat week, like. Now you got the deep ball and now check downs, but like, oh, are they going to? Obviously, they'll probably presumably use tight ends and stuff, but it's like you just threw a lot of wrinkles at it. And, and it, it's going to be interesting to see going forward. I, I would assume this week we're going to see that triple tight end set and stuff like that, but I don't know. It, it, it's, it, oh, some of it is it mind games? Is it playing forward? Or is, I don't know. I'm sure like, it's a bit of everything. It has to be. I think the dimension, the downfield dimension that we seem to have added the last couple weeks is going to give Gregorak and Choate the most fits. Is We're a lot easier to think about if you can stack the box and oh, yeah. throw a bunch of weird blitzes. But so yeah. if you've got one safety deep and you have our skill at wide receiver... Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a no that's a non-starter. I I mean this is a hot take and we're going to talk more about the cat game in a bit. But I think that they're going to focus so much on a chem that Tori is going to be the leading receiver. 
Ooh. I think it's going to be his breakout game this year. Who's going to be the leading receiver next week? Matt Redsvold. I hope so. <laughs> I love that kid. Luke's in the Big Sky Fantasy Football Championship next week. He needs that Matty Rensville touchdown. What is the Tanner Wilson to Matt Rensville touchdown at some point in time? The Paulson connection. By the way, Cam Humphrey that. running the zone read. Not good. Not good. Yeah. <laughs> Not good. Not good, Jim. One final bright spot. Uh, maybe it doesn't have to be final, but one that I'm going to add is that Dante Olsen. He sets... The Grizz record for total tackles in a season at 132, beating Van Akron by two touchdowns. You know what's interesting? Tackles. In, just in the, in the history of Grizzly football, um, at how many games have been played, like two major milestones happened because Hauk became the all-time winningest coach. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you'd think that this was like a three-year-old program, and like these two <laughs> but it's like... Those are two long-standing records. Actually, the Hauk one longer than the... He passed Don Reed. He tied him last week. Tied him, yep. And then and this week he passed him. And, and uh, Dante Olsen, good for him. The da- whole game. They interviewed Dante post-game. Did you see it on Twitter? Mm-hmm. They asked him about breaking the record, and he kind of didn't know. It was just like one of these like kind of just like things where he's like, you know, I mean, we won the game. I'm happy for the team. I didn't even know I was there. And that made Hauk so happy that he passed it, out. It was, <laughs> it was like, I remember previous years with Hauk when they'd ask, like, post-game, they'd ask players, they're like, what do you think about, you know, big win, but next week's Weber State. And they're like, really? I don't even know who we're playing next week. It's like, that's like the peak Hauk answer. <laughs> and now it's like, Dante Olsen, like, you broke the tackle record. He's like, what? I thought I only had like three or four this year. Oh, that's crazy. But it was, it was, it was cool. It was I cool to see the bullshit. Guy. He knows. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's he spent way too much. Well, his mom's counting his sacks. He knew. It's <laughs> like his dad's at home tells his mom, don't talk to him about the numbers. Um, quietly, Josh Bush has really had a good year. I mean, he's overshadowed by, by Olsen. Yeah. But I mean, he had a big sack this week. Um, oh, six tackles. I was really hoping Bus would have just pushed Petrino to the end zone oh, on that yeah. play. Yeah. <laughs> he was like a yard short of it. It would have been so great. <laughs> He's one of the fastest linebackers in the league. Yeah. Bus? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. so fast. That's the interesting, like the combo between Bus and Olsen. I was talking to a guy about this, like Bus for like just speed and instinct. And then Olsen. Like he's so gap sound. Like it doesn't. He doesn't get fooled. You know. He's so and, instinctual, right? And, yeah, and it's like that's the interesting, and, and that's like the thing I really like about him in this upcoming game. And you look at the games where he has these monster stats, uh, Cal Poly, and in these types of offenses where it's misdirection and designed to fool these linebackers, and Dante this year doesn't get fooled, and so he's always in the right spot. And, and it's it's one of the things. It's like. I think we've at Montana we've seen a lot of linebackers, some that are still in the NFL, you know. Um, but it's like for guys that just are always in the right place at the right time, don't get fooled. I don't know in recent Grizz history if I've seen a guy that's that's just been able to just see and read and know what to do and not get fooled like Dante. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. We've had awesome linebackers. But he might have the sharpest instincts of them all. I would say so. Yep, I agree. I think that's about it for Idaho for me. I'm good. Fuck the Vandals. Yeah, bring that Stein. Is it Steen or Stein? Stein. Stein. Bring that Stein. That Stein home. So, I shared this quickly on um, 
that outfit. No, I talked about this last week. My T-shirt, so I won't say it again. Right? I talked about the T-shirt last week. Well, now it's out there. Of so the character of the caricature peeing on the state of Idaho. Oh, yeah. Did I talk about this last week? I can't remember now. I did. Luke says yes, so <laughs> I wish I could get that T-shirt back again. <laughs> Although I wore it when I was like twelve, so <laughs> I'm a, at least the. A full hundred bills bigger than I was back then, so it wouldn't fit anyways. But. You could you could cut out the front and get stitched <laughs> onto a bigger shirt. <laughs> Lord. Um. Yeah. So, Brent, Luke, and I went to the game. Did you go to Butte? I thought about it. I uh, I did some searching for hotels, and I really only came to one choice. But I uh, wound up staying at home. But I know where I'm going to stay next time I go to Butte. So in your searching, did you come up with like the Holiday Inn? No. Best Western? Nope. Miner's Hotel? Don't think so. <laughs> it's a real place, guys. The Miner's Hotel? This is an ad for the Hotel Finland. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of miners are we talking about, Mike? It's miles. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> All right, if we didn't get a cease and desist letter a couple of weeks ago from the Finland, we're going to get it from another beautiful hotel. Uh, hotel Finland, room starting at uh, 80 bucks, suite starting above 90 uh, Great place to stay. It's our favorite hotel in Butte. It is our favorite hotel in Butte. I've had several family weddings there. This is legitimately true. Uh, the Cavalier Lounge. I'm going to go to St. Patrick's Day 2019. And I'm gonna book a room at the Hotel Finland. All right. Like it's you better it's, book it now. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been, and you're right. You gotta book early, book often. <laughs> just like you vote. Book early, book often. It's <laughs> just like Chicago. The last time I was in Butte for St. Patty's Day, I was actually with you. This I was remember. like a decade ago. Yeah. And it fell on a Saturday. Look at I worked with somebody. Um, at some point in the night, he texted back to our mutual friend who didn't come with us in Missoula. And told them that I got a DUI, <laughs> which wasn't true. And she's texting me like, oh, man, that's too bad. And I'm just like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and so finally she tells me. And the reality is that that wasn't the worst lie that Luke's ever made up about me. But I think I've already told the other one. So when you gave me breast cancer one summer. <laughs> I can't help that people are gullible. <laughs> anyway, that's Hotel Finland. F-I-N-L-E-N dot oh, com. <laughs> I remember that weekend. Yeah. Him, you know, saying you had a DUI and getting people, people to freak out. I remember checking the next morning or like the next week, like how many DUIs were given out in Silverbow County that weekend. Uh-huh. Can you guess? Um, oh my goodness. Three. Uh, four. I'll go the, the zero. See, that's what I was gonna say. Like, <laughs> this like, is like the just get home type of thing. Just how do home. they not give more than forty? I don't know. Good question. Yeah. But I mean, when you're in Butte on St. Patrick's Day, people aren't driving around. You're walking, you're walking. Around. But I think it's probably more fighting. How many people went to jail for fighting? <laughs> Oh, God, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just think every one of the rest power is downstairs trying to police the... Downtown trying to police the chaos. I think you're right. But you know where we're going to be? Downtown? The Hotel Finland. In the Cavalier Lounge. The Cavalier <laughs> Lounge. That's where we're going to close down St. Patty's Day this year. <laughs> All right, and with that, let's get on to the show, guys. <laughs> All right, so let's get uh, get on to what happened in the Big Sky this week. And actually, 
Um, we'll also talk a little bit about the FCS as a whole because it's one week left in the season. There's a lot going on. But first things first, uh, this was supposed to be a big week for Luke to gain some ground on me in this Big Sky Pick'em. How'd it go, Mike? Uh, it's a wash. <laughs> we actually both had very good weeks. We both went 5-1. and one. Northern Arizona at Sac State was one of the only ones that we picked different. In fact, it was the only one that we picked different teams on. <laughs> so, of canceled. course, it got canceled. If they replay this game down the road, Ooh. we will revisit this. I mean, they're both out of the play. Yeah, I, mean, I, could see him, I could see him doing something. Let's see what happens. So where do we stand on the year? We are, you are 57 and 27, so pretty damn good. I am 60 and 24. So... You gotta go all in, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta pick, crazy you gotta pick all the upsets. You gotta pick like <laughs> Sac State to beat Davis. All right, <laughs> I'm going. For um, it. So yeah, uh, of of interest this week, I mean, nothing real interesting. Northern Colorado at Montana State. Montana State won. Portland State at North Dakota. Portland State almost uh, pulled this off. That sure would have been nice for our playoff chances. Um, Davis at Eastern, biggest game of the year in the Big Sky, probably. And Eastern, and Eastern smoked them, crushed them. So you know, just further talking about how Eastern's new starting quarterback is evidently uh, good. So yeah, damn it. double yay. Last yeah. week it was just a yay, but now it's two. Yeah. Um, Montana crushed Idaho. Gotta like that. Weaver State beat Southern Utah. Cal Poly pulled off the Idaho State upset. That I. That surprised me. That surprised me because they were playing for their playoff lives. I think that knocks them out because they can only get to 61 wins. If they get to six, it would be because they beat Weaver this week, which I don't think is going to happen anyway. But I still, like, 61 wins. Yeah, that's tough. It's, the 61 wins is tough. If they beat Weaver, you're beating a top five team last week of the season. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how, yeah. how they would get in over a seven and four Montana. Uh, yeah. Uh, in the true. same conference. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, yeah. The, the interesting thing would be is, say, Bozeman State wins and Idaho State wins. They're both 7-4, and, and Idaho State holds the win over. The, that would be but, their but, MS, but, again, MSU has got, would have 71 wins. I don't know. You, you've got a lot of weird scenarios there. Yep. But yeah. So let's really quickly talk about this week, and then let's talk a little bit about maybe what's going on playoff-wise. So we've got Eastern Washington at Portland State. Okay, I'm down three picks, <laughs> and I'm not going to pick Idaho to win this week. So, I don't know why not. <laughs> Dude, do it. <laughs> Bitcoin rises again. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go Eastern on this one. Yeah, me too. I don't know that's where I would, I would pick for you. Um, Idaho goes to Florida, so I'm going to go ahead and pencil in Florida for that one. Uh, Montana gonna, State, Montana, we'll wait on that. Yeah. Sac State at UC Davis. <laughs> this is probably, there's no good picks this week. Okay, I'm going to go UC Davis. Yeah, me too. North Dakota at Northern Arizona. I'm going to go, wait, you, who are you picking? I'm going to pick Northern Arizona. Brent, who are you picking on this? Um, I'm going to pick with who I hope wins, and that's Northern Arizona. I'm going to pick North Dakota. So that's my one difference. All right, we got one. Weber State at Idaho State. Who are you picking, Brent? Weber should do it. They're playing for the Big Sky Championship. But it's in Idaho State. I thought it was at Weber until I pulled it up. They're on a roll. They've won, like, is it 8th Street now? Weber? Yeah. Yeah, they win so ugly, too. But, yeah. Mike, who are you picking? Oh, man, I don't know. Because last week I said that Idaho State had enough offense to beat Cal Poly. (laughs) And they did not. (laughs) 
I mean, I'm going Weber State. It's going to be one of those that I feel like realistically, I mean, maybe we shouldn't be surprised if Idaho State pulls it off because they've actually played better this year, but I'm going Weber. Okay, I'm going Idaho State. All right, and last last game here, Southern Utah at Cal Poly. <laughs> Ooh, all right, there you go. And you're picking first. You're not going to do this. No, he's he the opposite of you. I'm going opposite of you. Maybe I'm going opposite of you this week. Well, after you pick the cats, it's going <laughs> 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 uh, Southern Utah at Cal Poly. All right, so I think you're going to pick Cal Poly. So I'm going to pick Southern Utah. Okay. By the way, uh, Joe Prothrow, how many carries do you think he had last a week? A bazillion. Like, he's got 200 and something for the year. I know that. He had 41 carries. Holy cow. <laughs> 260 yards. Wow. That's pretty good. I bet he hurts every week. I feel like their coach said, like, he doesn't practice till Thursday. <laughs> you know, he's ran every play in their playbook because there's only like seven of them. And <laughs> dive left. Dive left. Right. Dive further left. <laughs> dive right. You know, whatever. <laughs> mm. All right, so we're uh, we'll we'll see what happens, Luke. So, Britt, uh, talk to us about the playoffs a little bit. Yeah, so uh, wanted to kind of start to look at playoff scenario because what was fascinating as the week concluded on Saturday, what uh, Craig Haley tweeted this. Like 12 of the teams that were ranked between 21 and what would effectively be 35 lost. Wow. And then Idaho State loses too. McNeese, who now is presumably like lost a bad game to a bad team. One other conference that had usually only sends one had two teams that were kind of vying, and one of them then chalks up an ugly loss. So it was like, Outside of North Dakota beating Portland State, it was about as perfect of a week as bubble teams like the Grizz and Cats would hope for. So, Big Sky Conference, who's in? I think locks in, win or lose, does not matter. Weaver State, Eastern Washington, Davis. Yep, I agree. They're all over eight minutes. <clears throat> They're eight and two, all, all three of them. So then you look at, okay, so who gets the auto qualifier? The easiest track is Weaver. Weaver beats Idaho State. They win. Because they would, even with an Eastern win, Weber beat Eastern, so they hold the tiebreaker. Eastern plays Portland State, so obviously the best track for Eastern, they beat PSU, ISU beats Weber, Eastern wins Big Sky. Because if Eastern and Davis both win, Eastern just smoke Davis, Davis, you know, they hold the tiebreaker. So what Davis needs is a little bit of it. I mean, that's the longest shot. They, they would win the Big Sky. They play SAC, which they should win. But they need both Weaver to lose to Idaho State and Eastern to lose to Portland State. Their one little hope is both Weaver and Eastern are on the road. So, But Weaver's the only team that really fully controls their own destiny. I mean, for Weaver, it's win, you got it. And they're, they're the automatic qualifier, Eastern and, and Davis. So Eastern and Davis, obviously, if they win, they're both seeded teams. They get a week off. They get to host a home game. They don't have to bid for the game. I mean, it's, it's, it's nice for all of them. So then the next group... Then you step down, you have four teams that are six and four. Idaho State, Montana State, Montana, and then our kind of weird, you know, soon to be kicked out of the family cousin of North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, Idaho State 
plays Weaver, but it's in ISU. And I looked at so ISU only has two conference losses. If Weaver, Eastern, and Davis lose and Idaho State wins, can they win the conference? And the answer is no, because they had lost to Davis. And so if all three teams, Weaver, Eastern, Davis, lose, ISU then would win. Davis still wins the conference. Okay. So um, Eastern, is, uh, Eastern Idaho State is out to win the Big Sky. But if they beat Weaver, they finish 7-4. and four. Yeah, they've got only six Division I wins, but what's Weaver ranked right now? Third? Fourth? That's a pretty big win. <laughs> I yeah, know. I mean, you can but, see but like, the argument being made. It's tough. It's, it's a tough one. I mean, it, it's a big debate. Um, but, yeah, so Idaho State, uh, pretty interesting. If you're a Grizz fan, I mean, honestly, you're a Grizz fan or a Cat fan, you want Weaver to win the Big Sky because um, that punches Idaho State's done. Six and five, no way. Uh, so then, of course, we got Grizz Cat. One of those teams is going to be seven and four. Honestly, when you look at it for the resume of the schedules for the two, the uh, the Cats, like, three of their four losses are to top ten teams. Davis, no, not Davis, Eastern, Weber, and South Dakota State. And Idaho State's their only other loss. Keyword like, there is loss. Yeah, but I still, mean, but, I mean, so you're seven and four, like, say, like, say the Cats win, which they're not going to, but say the Cats win, and they're seven and four, it's like all their losses aren't – they're good teams. Like, let's flip this around, though. Who is the Cats' best win this year? It's going to be us. If they get to 7-4, it's, it's going to be beating the Grizz, which is Up to this point, who's their best win? Western, Western Illinois, Illinois, I guess, who's 5-5 five and five right now. And so our right. best win is Northern Iowa. Who's also 5-5. Five and five. And they're playing each other, right? Aren't they? I think that <laughs> Western Illinois beat Northern Iowa early in the year. Yeah, maybe they did. You might be right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, and then we've got North Dakota, who plays a well-rested Northern Arizona. Um, but the trick with North Dakota is, as we reported before, the playoff committee really hates independence. Uh, independent teams, which they're technically considered, even though their wins, losses hurt teams like us, uh, conference standing wise. Um, like North Alabama is nine and two, but people point out they've only like in their nine and two schedule, they've only played like four Division one teams or something like that. So they're not getting in, you know. No, they're uh, but so so you, North Dakota at NAU. You know, NAU's probably going to be playing for Jerome Sauer's career again for the tenth time in a row or something. So who knows. Uh, but so, yeah, it, it's going to be a fascinating week. So if you're a Grizz fan, here's what you want. You want Weaver to beat Idaho State. You want North Dakota to beat – no, you want Northern Arizona to beat North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you want the Grizz to win. Because then when you look at that Western picture, you've got the three locks, Weber, Eastern, Davis. They're all buys. And then you've got a 7-4 and four Grizz team on a three-game win streak who just beat the 25th team in the nation, the Cats, who was in the polls this week. It's still a long shot. You still need help outside of the western side. But it really adds that appeal. San Diego already locked up their conference, but they're going to go on the road wherever the hell they go. So um, that, that the most simple terms for the easiest path for the Grizz is that. There's other ways, too, that I kind of broke down, but that's your easiest route. So we are Lumberjacks, Grizz, and Wildcats fans this weekend. All right. So assuming, let's just 
play this out. North Dakota wins at NAU. Because um, it just seems like that's the way our season's gone. <laughs> I think there's, we're still in the mix of a whole lot of 7-4 and four teams. Yeah, and, and the, the, con- the fascinating conference is the Colonial. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we've joked about what a mess the Big Sky is this year. The Colonial has four teams that are 7-3 and three and one that's 6-4 and four that's playing a 7-3 team. <laughs> but what you've got is so so again so you you look at the broader picture so what do we need to have so the colonial Maine is seven and three and they're in the top ten I don't know how the hell you're seven and three and in the top ten but they play Elon who is actually six and three um, we need Maine to win that game so okay. cheer for more Bears this weekend. <laughs> uh, Delaware, who is seven and three, plays four and six. Villanova. Let's just assume Delaware is going to win, so that puts Maine and Delaware in. James Madison, seven and three, plays seven and three. Towson, and then seven and three. Stony Brook plays two and eight. Albany. So you look at the like. What helps is if Maine beats Elon, because then Elon sunk. Delaware probably going to get in. James Madison, Towson. One is for sure in. One's a bubble. Uh, Stony Brook's, I'm going to assume, is going to be at Albany. Yeah. So it's like, they're going to send four or five, and where it's going to get screwy is like if Elon beats Maine. Um, and then you look at the Missouri Valley as well, too, and this has been the fascinating thing. Missouri Valley only has two teams right now that are like truly qualifiable. It's two that <laughs> could meet from a national championship, North Dakota State and South Dakota State. Outside of that, Indiana State is... Really the only truly viable team that could get in. They play, I can't remember who they play this weekend, but if they win, they get to 7-4. and four, But a lot like Idaho State and other schools, their 7-4 and four record is 61 wins and a D2 win. So um, it's going to be a fascinating end of the week. But really, if the Grizz can take care of business, there's a lot of scenarios that could really help them. And so it's going to be interesting to see playoff committee-wise if, um, the money talks because obviously a Grizz home game the next weekend, and, and I'll flip it too to to try to be a little less biased. A cat home game as well because the two of our programs have some of the best attendance in the FCS. Um, although the cat home attendance for that Northern Colorado game was kind of crappy, but it's poor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so you know, honestly, for those two schools, some dollars could could. Talk a little bit, so so yeah. Playoff committee. I read a little bit about it. I, it's no it's no secret to anybody who's followed me on Twitter the last couple of years that I hate how the playoff selection works because I don't I don't even mind that there's twenty four teams. Yeah. But they created this twenty four team playoff and they gave a couple couple conferences auto bids that probably have no business deserving them, but whatever. But the last couple of years, it feels like a couple of these weaker conferences have like gotten two teams in when they didn't deserve it. Yeah. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, because there's enough spots, they're like, well, we should spread it around. It's like, that's bullshit. Yeah. Like you should figure out who the auto bids are. And I believe there's 10 of them. Yeah. And you should give it to the next 14 best teams. Yeah. Or whatever it is. And that drives me nuts. And one thing that I was reading a little bit somewhere online today was that the makeup of the selection committee is one AD from each conference that has an auto bid. And what it is kind of doing is it's having all these weaker conference auto, because there's basically four 
legitimate FCS conferences, and the rest are, yeah. There's the Big Sky, the Missouri Valley, the CAA, and the, what's it, Southland? Yeah. And that one's even not nearly as good as it used to be. Well, they, I mean, Sam Houston. Sam Houston's there. Yeah, not this year, but prior years. Um, and then there's six <clears throat> kind of like lower levels, so you're seeing like the votes and stuff. And I, I mean, it's it's kind of like I feel like the Big Sky needs to start making some more noise about, hey, we have 13 teams out here. But it's like the 13 team Big Sky or the what is it, 11 team Missouri Valley or the like. They deserve more playoff spots than these eighteen better conferences, joke conferences, and I, I really feel like these bigger conferences, this level should start kind of pulling what the big conferences do at the upper level and be like, look, we need more seats at this table. Like this isn't yeah. this isn't all fair. Like this isn't like everybody gets a participation trophy. It's supposed to be the best teams. Yeah. And I also think they should get rid of regionalization, but that's a whole other <laughs> conversation. We can talk about that next week. All right. Well, that's that's the way it looks. Grizz take care of business. Weaver wins. NAU wins. I don't know. Don't make Thanksgiving plans. <laughs> we'll see what happens. In the meantime, speaking of taking care of business, I think it's time for the BWR. It's time for the BWR. <laughs> we need a sound effect for the BWR. No, we, we will work on that over the off-season. <laughs> <laughs> can't be lasers. Could be Huck breathing loudly. <laughs> or Hannah Crowley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my daughter made a pot appearance earlier, and, and nobody noticed it. <laughs> Brent, are you ready for this? Yes. I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. You go first. Oh, my God. Brent, give me five tailgate essentials. Beer. Whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Hamburgers, hot dogs, and propane. (laughs) (laughs) That's not bad, actually. (laughs) Like, you going? Yeah, I would uh, like your top five Montana high school mascots. Uh, Knights. You'd be more of a homer. I don't know. I mean, come on. Um, wildcats. How many wildcats are there in the state? There's probably like 30. I, that's why I said that. Uh, there's a lot of Bronx. Yeah, some Bronx. I don't know. I wasn't, I'm not like, I, I just can't get into like, what's Shelby? Are they the coyotes? No, coyotes? We're the coyotes. Okay, yeah. give me coyotes. All right. God, I should. I'm what like, is, I, what is I, I was gonna say, I have owned Centerville. <laughs> There's some great mascots out there. Yeah, rustlers. I, give me the rustlers. I'm a big fan know. of the Belfry Bats. <laughs> the Belfry Bats. Are they in Montana? Yeah. <laughs> God, <laughs> I don't know this. Like the Chinook Sugar Beaters. Sugar Beat. Oh my God. Like, see, this is this, that's such a fun mascot. Don't ask me high school questions. Could I, you imagine the menacing Sugar Beater? Like you lose a finger or something. Like. <laughs> so in 2017, Lee newspapers did a, a piece on this, and there's some great ones. The Laurel Locomotives. Mm-hmm. Um, the Haver Blue Ponies. Yeah. The yeah. Nashua Porcupines. Porcupines. <laughs> Uh, the Big Timber Sheep Herders. How great is that? You should acknowledge who you are. <laughs> I just, I like showing up to school for like their Pride Week or whatever, Homecoming Week. We are the Sheep Herders. Dressed up as like Joseph. 
from the Bible. <laughs> Deer Lodge is the Wardens. That's yeah. a good one. Yep. Yeah. The Sunburst Refiners. North Dool County. <laughs> the Harleton Engineers. Is it is it the Loyola girls basketball team or the Heartbreakers? Is they, that just like a nickname? Indeed, no, they're the Heartbreakers. That's yeah. kind of cool. Augusta it. is the Elks. There's the Belfry Bats. Laurel Locomotives. Haver Blue Ponies. Libby Loggers is a good one. Oh yeah. The Sugar Beaters are there. Yeah, there's some there's some good ones there. All right, Luke, you're up. Um, Brent, give me your top cat grizz moments. Grizz cat moments, you mean? Give me your top Grizz Cat moments. <laughs> uh, 1997, Cats thought they had it won. Uh, deep pass to, ooh, was it Justin Olsen or TJ Oakers? Uh, kick a field goal. Actually, the thing I enjoyed about that more than anything was the next year in the Kaiman as a freshman, they asked the Grizz seniors about their best memory as a Grizz player, and they said last year when we kicked the game-winning field goal to beat the Cats and we watched all their seniors cry. <laughs> uh, so 97 Grizz Cat was was phenomenal. Uh, 2008 Copper Uniform surprise, and we just destroyed them. Uh, my goodness. Uh, hi, Huck. How you doing? Um, Hot dog's real active right now. You know, Mike and I had a hell of a time in 2015. That was uh, because I've only been in the Bobcat Stadium twice. And the other time it was cats were terrible. We beat them like 49 to 3. And so I went there. I was super nervous. And it was a hell of a game. Yeah, we like, rode over the bus with the cheerleaders. The booster bus. The booster and, bus. Yeah. It was a great time. I mean, I was super nervous because uh, I thought I was going to jinx it for sure. And it was, it was, it was a fun game. Uh, let me think. Let me think. Man. My mind is like turning to mush here. I should remember more of these, right? These are good, though. I'm only giving you three, though. You know, there was... I feel like... What was it? Okay, so 2011. A a win that happened. I don't care what the record books say. <laughs> Cats were number one in the nation. And Grizz go there, Jordan Johnson... Uh, Tremaine Johnson gets a, a safety in the end zone. They came out with white white cages on their the silver helmets. Yeah, I remember that. That was a hell of a game. That was fun because, you know, cats were so proud of themselves and number one in the nation. We beat them and I think we got a we got a seed and a bye, and that was that was that was great. Won the big sky. So I'm trying to think of a fifth. Um I mean, I, I suppose I could buy real easy to fall, and I can't remember the number now, but 2001 was our, what, how many consecutive wins over them? So that It was double digits. Cause 15, because then the next year was 16, and then we lost in 03. No, 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 we lost in 02. Did we lose in 02? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we lost in 02. Okay. Yeah, so... Uh, whatever, just for the sake of a one national championship, uh, the longest stretch of the streak ever. Um, I don't even remember the damn score from that game, but I was just like, I was just thinking like growing up, I don't remember like a lot of mid to late eighties or 90 or early nineties Grizz cat games that were super memorable because the cats were trash. They were terrible. And that's been the kind of fun thing with Idaho back in the conference because, 
in the late 80s, early 90s, Idaho was – Montana-Idaho was a bigger game because the two teams were more talented. 1995, we won the national championship, and Dave Dickinson set a whole bunch of passing records. We lost to Idaho that year. Idaho beat us. So, um, I don't know. That, that's, that's what I got. Well, that's good. That's okay. a lot of recall. I'm impressed. Yeah, so we're going to change gears here. I want your top five cinematic death scenes. <laughs> what? <laughs> what the hell? Hey, watch a lot of TV, good quality, videos, movies. I can think of a few. What? This is, this is crap. You've got to give me prep time for this. No, that really defeats the purpose. It does, doesn't it? I don't know. God, this is a problem. Like these, like I go quick and I can't. So I'll tell you my most shocking <sighs> death scene of all time. Luke, you might agree with this. Um, in House of Cards, when um, uh, throws the he reporter throws the, the reporter in front of the subway. Yeah, and you did not see it coming at all. Yeah, that one. Okay. All right. I'm a big fan of the Red Wedding. Like, that was a crazy... In Game oh, of Thrones? Game of Thrones, yeah. Right? That was like... I did not see that coming. That was pretty fun. I used to be like a big, big movie guy. I've Kids kind of tend to peel you back from that. And then like TV... I don't know. I'm more of a streaming guy. I don't watch too much live stuff anymore outside of sports. So, you know, I think... Uh, I remember, like, V for Vendetta is, like, a movie that I really liked, mm-hmm. and I, I went back and read the comic, which was even a little bit more entertaining, but you kind of kept thinking, like, he wasn't going to die, but he does as a symbolistic kind of moment. Um, God, I don't know. I'm having trouble thinking of any more, honestly. Well, why so the hell would you ask me this door. damn question? Because <laughs> I wanted to stop you. <laughs> well, <laughs> That's gonna bug me. See, this is gonna be the problem. I'm gonna be driving. I'm gonna be driving home in like 30 minutes. I'm gonna be like, oh my god, this is like the Tootsie Rolls thing. I'm still <laughs> hearing about these goddamn Tootsie Rolls. Do you remember when, uh, Mike, in the TV show The OC, when that one person dies and like falls on the ground in slow motion? What was her name? It wasn't the Misha Martin character. It wasn't her. No, it was. It might have been Olivia Wilde's character. Okay. And right when she hits the ground, like the song, like, Ooh, what you say? Oh, that you wanted that way. I can't sing that song. Yeah, I've got a cold. But anyway, I remember SNL spoofed that scene, and it was so fucking funny. But they spoofed it, and then they, like, didn't run it because the timing was not politically the best. And so you can only find it online, but it was pretty funny. This is hilarious. This is Shia LaBeouf. And See, I, I can remember stupid stuff. Marissa like that. Cooper. Marissa Cooper. And you were really into the OC in college. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I have a box set downstairs somewhere, packed away. That's <laughs> well, I, I, um, I am proud of who I am. You know, we've, we've, we've let a lot of stuff out on the pod. <laughs> Taylor Swift, the OC. I watch Grey's Anatomy with my wife. The Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid, kid ending when they're in the firefight and it just like freezes, you know, you have to assume they die, right? So they probably do. Side note, um, on the list of most shocking cinematic deaths, um, when Grey's Anatomy killed off Patrick Swayze, <laughs> or not Patrick Swayze, um, Patrick, Patrick Dempsey. Dempsey, yeah. Uh, Patrick Swayze died. Patrick Swayze died in the uh, <laughs> <laughs> Grey's Anatomy. Um, 
it was incredibly shocking because it was like one of those you knew he was leaving the show. And he comes in the ridiculous world of this where they always come across major surgically required emergencies. He's driving down the highway and comes across this big wreck. And you keep thinking... Like, they're, they're falling off the edge of a cliff. He's going to die with them. Da, 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 and then he doesn't die. Like, he saves all their lives and gets them all in the ambulance. And as he walks around the side of the ambulance, he gets hit by a truck. You're <laughs> <laughs> just like, what? <laughs> so, so, I think we got five. So, uh, as, uh, growing up as a kid, as an 80s kid, I loved the Transformers. Loved Transformers. Like, cartoon... Oh my god. And I had all the Transformers toys. And this was the greatest thing ever. They announced Transformers are making a cartoon movie. And I was like, oh, oh my god. This is amazing. And I was... Dude, I, me and my friend Andy, we were the biggest damn nerds. <laughs> and um, I had like this weird flat top and Andy had these giant glasses. It was amazing. And we went to the Village Six in Missoula, which doesn't exist anymore. It's now a Mackenzie River Pizza. Um, to watch Transformers movie. Ten minutes into the fucking movie, <laughs> Optimus Prime dies. He, he like he gets like fucking shot by Megatron, <laughs> and like he hands off the leadership of the Autobots <laughs> to his brother. <laughs> Who's like, I can't remember his name. He was so fucking stupid because Optimus Prime turned into this cool ass truck. And the other guy had arms that made a goddamn earthquake that was so stupid. He'd show up and he'd like smack the ground with his stupid fucking hands and it'd make this like split in the earth. And that was like his job. And he led the Autobots. That was like, you're in the theater. I'm like, I was like, Nine. You this is as passionate and as I've seen him on it. He drops the like, box of job and, like, and it rolls all the way down. And this is like, it was like, oh my god. Like, because this is like 80s. They didn't make like cartoon movies. Like, come on. this It wasn't like, you didn't have like, they're not pumping out Despicable Me's and Shreks and Frozen's <laughs> and all this stuff. And it's like, Transformers movie. And Optimus Prime is dead. Like, immediately. Terrible. So, two things. One, I'm going to go with Mission Accomplished for this BWR. Because <laughs> uh, we definitely got weird places. <laughs> you, you brought something up. <laughs> and two, I need a good crowd. our loyal pod listeners are probably thinking the BWR has gone on a little too long this week. <laughs> well, a couple more points. All right. <laughs> Bambi's mom. Oh, yeah. Hunger Games. Uh, Rue. Yeah. She got what she yeah. deserved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I think the wife and gladiator, right? That's pretty sad. Yeah. You know, as a, as a, as a parent, uh, watching the walking dead, when you, when you see like, uh, you know, like kids get bit by zombies, like that, that's just tough. It's like the turn it off. So that's, I don't know, shocking, but it's just like the, not, not a fan. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well. Let's uh, <laughs> let's make a transition. Okay. Uh, can I start? Yes. Fuck the cats. <laughs> FTC. FTC. <laughs> FTC. Well, so, we gotta take this back because when Bobby was first hired, the three of us were standing together. In second hired. I'm sorry. <laughs> hired back. 
when he the was, three of us were standing at the press conference, and the press conference ended, one of the three of us starts clapping. FTC, FTC. <laughs> Luke, no one, no one followed your lead. <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked that Bobby didn't follow. <laughs> I was going to say. He probably this press conference of I'm kinder, I'm softer, I'm here for the whole thing. Like, oh, I got to be on good behavior for at least another two days. <laughs> so it's Cat Week. Yes. I'm so excited. This is such a fun week. You know, it is a fun week, and it feels different. And I think that it feels different to me because, you know, we've talked about the whole Stip thing on and on and on this year, but Bobby has a lot of pros and a lot of cons, and this year has exposed the cons that were always there, but he's also got a lot of pros. But his hate for the Cats is just what this school needs right now. (laughs) Well, in that press conference, he had a cousin walk in late wearing, like, a blue shirt. And he stops his press conference (laughs) to point out, like, you got to take that shirt off, man. There's no blue in my press conference. (laughs) Do you remember that? I do. He hates the cats. Uh, Yes, he does. Well, and you go from Bob Stitt, where I think there was a quote about, like, it's a rivalry, but we don't get too worked up about it. I mean, uh, it's nice to have the passion there. This is the biggest event in the state of Montana. Absolutely. Like, no doubt about it, right? Is there a bigger event for the state? The Augusta Rodeo? <laughs> no, I mean, there's not. There, I mean, Augusta Elks. The, 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 the Grizz Cat Games in Missoula are the top whatever attended sporting events in the state. Mm-hmm. With the yep. exception of that one random boxing match a million years ago. <laughs> um, you know. By the way, that is not the biggest damn sports. Just because a bunch of people watched a bunch of random, two random dudes bought pun. So, yeah. Not a big boxing fan. Are we talking about the Dempsey Gibbons fight? I believe we are, yeah. That happened in Shelby, Montana. That's the biggest thing in our <laughs> state's history. How'd Shelby do in the playoffs this week? Why are you talking about this? <laughs> I knew this was going to come up. <laughs> hey, one of our loyal listeners went to the game. Oh, man. Brandon mm-hmm. went and tweeted out, but unfortunately. Uh, all right, let's focus on the All cats. right, sorry. Okay, it's cats. Uh, so what, <laughs> what outcome would not surprise you guys? I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. Um, when I started, I haven't dug super deep into this, but it's interesting because statistically it's all strength on strength. Like oddly, and maybe it's by virtue of the opponents, like the Grizz have the third best statistically rush defense in the conference and the Cats have the second best rush offense. The Cats have a shit pass offense, right? Because Troy Anderson, like he throws for 70 yards a game. We have a Fairly poor pass defense. So it's like it's like are I hadn't we, noticed. Are, yeah, right. Are are strengths and weaknesses complement each other across the board? And so um, it's going to be fascinating because it's like the Cats' defensive line is maybe the the best or the second best D line we're gonna we've seen all year. Linebackers, corners, kind of eh, safety's not bad. 
Uh, you know, for us, obviously, our linebackers and our safeties are more of our strength. Where you know, corners and defensive lines just a little bit, a little bit less. So it, it's just kind of fascinating because it's like there's no spot where one team can really exploit the other. So it just seems like I think we're going to see a lot of just a couple first downs and a lot of punts. <laughs> I think their D line is a pretty big strength over our O-line. Absolutely. Their D-line is is the real deal. Um, you know, our O-line played well last week, so knock on wood, they rise to the occasion. And, you know, Amish wood. Everybody, <laughs> Amish wood. And everybody, you know, everybody's available. You know, yep. so if something's not working, they'll change it up. Uh, I feel like what we've put on tape on offense bodes well, though, because the whole thing we've been talking about, like we need to stretch the offense out to the sides to, to spread out and take away some of the good D linemen. And I think that's probably, if you look at film, what what allowed us to do well against Idaho was it's like you had to factor in you know, the speed around the edges. I, I like, I mean, honestly, if you're a defensive coordinator on either side, you probably want to be Kent Bear a little bit more this week because while the you know Miller the the new ish uh, coordinator for the Cats, I mean, you know what their offense is. It's Troy Anderson and it's uh, um, Isaiah Fonse. Like it, it's it's the quarterback and the running back, and so you you know what to do. Where the Grizz, it's like the offense has kind of gone from one level to another. So you have a pass game, you have a run game, you've got a mobile QB, so you've got a lot of things to account for as Ty Gregorak, where Kent Bear, I mean, it's it, it's it's stop Troy, and then it's it's stop it's stop Afonso. Like that's you shut those two down, and that's how you win the football game. It seems like the for the Cats, they have to figure out how to deconstruct our offensive line. Yeah. And the Grizz need to figure a way out, figure out how to contain Troy Anderson. Yeah. What's harder to do? Woof. Oh, contain Troy Anderson's harder. And that's that's the thing that bothers me as a Grizz fan going into this game. Yeah. Is there's there hasn't been a lot of teams to contain Troy Anderson this year, but we've had Quite a few teams give our offensive line fits. Yeah, so for sure. I guess one thing, I'd, and you're right, and, and I think that people need to remember not to panic because Troy Anderson's going to get his. Like He will have a long touchdown run. It just, it is what it is. <laughs> if not two. Um, but I also think that he hasn't played a linebacking group as athletic as ours. Mm-hmm. And I think that, especially because he can't pass, I mean, he can pass a little bit, but it's not so much of a threat those safeties can cheat up a little bit, or at least one of them can. I think that you're going to see Josh Buss and Dante Olsen kind of spying them on the edges, and I won't be surprised if they take a little bit more of an attitude of let's stack the box a little bit and try and make this guy throw. You know, Don't over-blitz him, but just make him throw the ball. I think if you look at the defensive plan for Cal Poly and for Southern Utah, where it looked more like a true 3-4, where you had seven or eight in the box all the time. Um, especially Southern Utah, you know, that was a team, again, too, where it was a running quarterback, less of a passing threat as a whole. Um, I don't know. This is going to be something I think we're going to – I think you're going to see a lot of sets where you've got Shane Cocker and Jace Lewis 
uh, Dante Olson and Josh Boss all on the field at the same time. Um, but the interesting thing is, I mean, you know the Cats are going to do – they're going to take some shots because uh, Nash and Calhoun are going to be one-on-one and that Cassis kid's going to – they're going to throw some stuff his way to try to try to fool us a little bit. Yeah, I I think I'm, I'm pleased as a Bruce fan because we might be the best tackling team in the conference, if not, I mean, maybe in probably, certain certain situations, probably Weber State. You know, their their defense is yeah, nasty. Yeah, Weber. Yeah, but we have two of the best linebackers. Rob, yeah, Robbie Houck is the third lead leading tackler. Um, you know, that's some might be some system stuff, but uh, yeah, we have a strong defensive line. You feed these guys. Yeah. We don't need to get pressure. Like that's a big issue with our defensive line is they don't get pressure. This is a game where pressure is not going to matter. It's it doesn't. Containment. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I don't think that that like our traditional Achilles heels are going to come into play. It, it was it was interesting because I obviously I think a lot of Grizz fans, a lot of us. I mean, if the Cats are on and the Grizz aren't on, you're going to pay attention, right? And it, it, what uh, especially like I watched that northern quite a bit of that northern Colorado game. And what it seemed to me, and maybe it was just one game, and Northern Colorado is not good. They're just they're a bad football team. Um, but when Northern Colorado would let Troy Anderson get outside of the tackles, out in space, um, <clears throat> that's when trouble started. And so it, it, you'd see a lot of stuff where some of these teams would really crash in the middle to take his first read away, but he's got the speed and the skill to get out and gone. And even Weber State, I think he did that against them where it was a little bit of a kind of an off-tackle type of run for 60-something yards for a touchdown. And so it's like it seems to me that contain, push Troy back to the middle, don't let him get to the sideline, that's what I see in some of these games. And granted, I've Watched Cats, I think, four times now. So maybe I'm completely inaccurate in that, but that that's kind of what I noticed. I think a big thing that we have to be prepared for is the trick play. I think they're going to throw a bunch at us. Well, and, and I mean, they, they teased it last week. So yeah, you, that Johnson wide receiver kid from Oregon, he's going to throw the ball. He's going to run the ball, too. He's got four rushing touchdowns. He's a little bit of a red zone guy. He's got one pass touchdown. Um but you guys—I mean, you guys were in Moscow, uh, living, living the wildlife, the Idaho <laughs> wildlife. Uh, uh, but um, they threw a pass to an eligible tackle on fourth and goal, and he got tackled on the two. <laughs> mm-hmm. But so it—you uh, saw some wrinkles that looked like uh, for for those of us like like uh, I remember last year when we went to play Washington. Uh, Bob Stitt talked a lot about how Washington likes to use this. You kind of you run the whole field to one one side, and you leak a guy out to the opposite end. MSU did that a handful of times, and so they again. You look at both these games leading in. OCs and DCs are teasing each other for the week ahead for film study stuff, but um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. They brought in a reserve tackle, claimed him eligible. And had Troy Anderson put his head down and take like five steps like he's running to one side of the field and stand up and flip the ball backwards to the tackle, who fortunately, like a northern Colorado safety, saw it and hung on to the guy for dear life until like four other guys came and helped him out. And so they stopped him on the two. 
typical northern Colorado threw a pick like two plays later. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't matter. But so um, I, you think trick play, I mean, if you're MSU, right, like you're going to know the Grizz, it's going to be single coverage on receivers, so some jump balls. Um, they're going to, yeah, they're going to bring in, uh, um, oh, boy, what's his, the Travis Jansen, yep. uh, Johnson guy, and, you know, do a little RPO with him and probably, because everyone's going to be like, oh, he's just going to run, he's just going to run, and peel back and have him chuck something deep. I mean, you, you've got to expect this, especially in the secondary. They're, they're going to try to attack this because if you look at weakness at the Grizz, it's the deep ball. It's, it's this pass game. And whether the Cats can do it or not, they're going to have to test it. There's other intangibles, right? So Cats have won two in a row. Obviously, Stitt's gone. It's a different thing. The Cats win. They are legitimately in the playoffs for the first time in the Choate era. Yep. It's like, so they are playing for something more than just you know this game. That being said, there have been a couple times where the Grizz were playing for the playoffs and Last two years. Last two years and just just blew it. So it'll be interesting to see how they go there. You know, we're at home, so that's a nice plus. I just think that the teams are more evenly matched than people want to think they are. Yeah. And I just really think that Hauk, for all he talks about, this game matters to him. And for all he seems to want his guys in there, there's a lot of seniors that he seems to like. And I think that he is going to drill into them how they have a chance to, even though their UM careers didn't go like they hoped, beat the Cats. Maybe they make the playoffs, maybe not. But you go out, you beat the Cats, you avenge the clusterfuck of the last two seasons, you know, and set things straight. And you seniors, you get this program back on track, right? Right. You know, it's like you're, you're the foundation. We finish seven and four. Who cares if we go to the playoffs or not? But you guys can hold your heads high that we, you know, wave weathered this storm together, and you guys took back that fucking trophy, <laughs> you know. And I really, yep. I mean, like, for all of Hauk's weirdness, like, his guys play for him. But Mike, that's all well and good. I just think I haven't seen enough from our offensive line to think that they're going to have any amount of success against. They're not going to have any success against Bozeman's front seven. Yeah, no, I mean that's valid. the 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 positive is, I mean, they they did well against Idaho, who had, so, you know, a legit front seven, if you will. Now, is the Cats' D line better than Idaho? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, they still have to pick it up, but I feel like we've got enough different things on film on offense that we should be able to counter this in a certain way. So, like, let's catch them being over aggressive because if there's one thing I think Agoric might be overhyped. The Cats linebackers are their worst defensive unit on the field. Yeah. So two things I would consider doing early. Three things. One would be I think we need to get those slants back in our offense that we ran against um, one of the teams earlier in the year and just have them quick and ready to go. Whether it's three tight end set, whether it's Torrey or JLM or Solcer, you know, real quick cut over the middle, but the quick tempo slants you know, so they don't have time to cover it up. Second thing I would do is obviously I think the fly sweep and, and running Solcer out of the back early, yeah, you know, to try and spread them out. But the third thing, and this is kind of crazy, but I would go five wide, and and I would make them stretch out because yeah, you've still got pressure, but you got to then spread those linebackers out. You know, somebody's got to cover a receiver, and our 
you know, our receiving core, those are those are mismatches. Yeah. You know, and it's like if that's the way they're going to go, I'd go five wide because you still have the running threat with Sneed. Yep. yep and yep. I'd run some tempo five wide if the other stuff isn't working and just see what the hell happens. I like that. I'm, I'm concerned that Sneed's not going to have time to throw. And if that's true... I don't know what based on the season <laughs> would make you think that's a concern. <laughs> well, if it's true... Then at least clear the box so when he decides to take off and run, there's not three extra people sitting in it. Yep. Um, I, I hadn't thought about that, but five wide is something we haven't seen a lot of. We saw it a couple times against Idaho, interestingly yeah. Yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah, we did. One of them, it was like they, they'd send the running back in right, motion, back so out. one of the five was the running back. But still, I mean, we can catch. What's interesting, so, so the Cats have four losses, right? <clears throat> Two of the four, well, the Cats... Statistically, show to have a good pass defense. Two of the four, South Dakota State and Eastern Washington, both passed for over 300 yards. Mm-hmm. The other two losses, Idaho State had close. I think they're mid 200s. And Weber, Weber's offense is, uh, God, they're they're such a weird team. They beat you with 200 yards of total offense. Um, but so it, it's interesting. Um, the teams that were able to find success in passing on them um, tended to beat them. Now the South Dakota State. Uh, Rovig was the QB, mm-hmm. and Anderson was what the running back slash linebacker. Right? <laughs> Arm, his hand was broken. His hand was broken, so or something. So, I mean, uh, so a good recipe to beat the Cats on Saturday is hope Tucker Rovig starts. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, it, it, it's interesting. And the other thing is, you stack it up season wide, and they're very similar, but. When the Cats lose games, they don't do super well in the red zone. They're a bad red zone team. We're not the best either. So, it, again, this is, this is why I think this game could be low scoring because you, you don't see a big thing to exploit. Like, um, when the Cats lost to Weber, <clears throat> I think they, they – I mean, they had two turnovers on downs. They missed two field goals, and they had a turnover. And, like, three or four of those came in the red zone. You know, the Weber game, the Cats only got into the red zone twice. Uh, now, granted, they had a couple of Troy Anderson insanely long-run type plays. But, um, again, this is one of these situations where, uh, you know, their field goal kicker is good. He's not uh, – I mean, I, I again, it, pretty similar to Semenza, you know, about a – I think he's about a 75% kicker. But – so it's like just these little things. It's like if the Grizz can, you get one takeaway in the red zone. You, they miss a field goal from the twenty. Like like just these little things that that add up, and you 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 look at a similar thread of the four losses they've had, and, and uh, it's it's red zone failures, it's pass game, um, and, and usually winning with turnovers, but <clears throat> sometimes not not the case. But but so. You know, if uh, Troy Anderson's, what, passed for two touchdowns and thrown six interceptions, if you can force him to throw the ball a bunch, it's it's going to help. <laughs> Interestingly, their red zone defense is terrible. Did you notice that? So, the, so this was the two things that, that was an anomaly with their defense. Not only are their red zone defense not great, it, it, uh, I, I wrote this down somewhere. It's like the te- it's ranked 10th or something, right? Uh, in, like in just the Big Sky Conference schedule. It's 12th. It's yeah, it, it's not wow. great. Yeah. And then the other thing, if you find it quickly, uh, their their third down defense 
isn't good either. And it's like the two things which, again, maybe maybe we're like drilling down to stats. It's like, oh, God, you don't know the situation. But um, the uh, if you can get this and win on third down, uh, again, yeah, so 11th. I mean, they're, they're allowing opponents to convert – Forty-seven percent of the time, the old, like Southern Utah and Sac are worse. I mean, and we we put it to the I, well. I don't know if we put it to Sac, but I mean, I'm on offense, so it's like so again. Well, what, what so for the Grizz, their defense good is they get turnovers. They do. They got a safety that's got five picks this year. Yeah. They're plus eight, I think. Uh, no, I don't think they're that good. I think they're they're plus five. I think I was looking just at the, in the just Big Sky conference. Okay. okay, so yeah, total plus five. While we're uh, walking negative one. Right. So they can be bad on conversions and in the red zone because they get some turnovers. I yeah. Think. Well, they. I mean, they did that to Northern Colorado last week. I mean, UNC ran the ball pretty well, <clears throat> but it was UNC, and so they they throw stupid picks. They I think they lost a fumble. I mean, and it was they just set themselves up for failure. So I get kind of excited. This part makes me excited because. A lot of our, I mean, we lost games because we had egregious turnover problems. Yes. That really had nothing to do with prep. Like, it wasn't scheme issues. It was just stupid freaking errors that yeah. if you listen to this podcast, we've covered in depth. Um, and I don't think we'll do that again. I think those are somewhat anomalous. But if we can take care of the ball. We win the game. The Cats are going to let us convert. Yes. And if we can get in the red zone, the cats are going to let us convert. Yeah. So while I think it's probably going to be low scoring, with our recent ability to throw the ball downfield, and we've almost we've scored forty, we almost scored forty points last week, but almost scored fifty. Scored almost 50. scored fifty points last week. We might be able to put up some numbers on it. <clears throat> It'd be great. I mean. But you're you're dead right. I mean, like for the Grizz to win, I think you look at right. All six of our wins were positive turnover margin, and our three losses, four losses were negative. Right? I mean, it, I mean, such a simple point. But uh, while Davis and North Dakota were the better teams, Portland State and Western Illinois, we were probably better, but we gave those games away with late turnovers. And uh, or early turnovers, and um, you know this this would be a totally different season. We'd be talking about a seed versus a first round game, and so uh, protecting the ball in these last two weeks, we haven't had a single turnover. I mean, we haven't even like presented a much of an opportunity for one. Uh, so ball security is. I mean, if the Grizz can take care of it. We'll, we'll get the points. I mean, the, the stats are there. We should be able to move it. Yep. How's Bobcat Nation looking over there, Mike? It's fantastic. <laughs> I um, see you rolling through it. I haven't been on that site in months. You know, I was, I'm trying to get a feel for what their fans think. Because it's like sometimes fans will tell the true story and then sometimes they're, like, really cocky. The Bobcat fans basically think there's no chance the Grizz win this game. Good. Which they didn't think we had a chance when they were number one in the country too. Um, that, I mean, that's almost what I was hearkening back to. Was like that year they were so confident, like we're just better than them, 
And then, like, some of them are even like, well, we're evenly matched up, but it's like, we're going to beat him, and here's why. And it's like, they're listing all these things that have to go right for him, like, shut down Sneed, Sneed throws interceptions, and it all lives and dies with Sneed. Yeah. It is what it is. Um, I don't know, man. I really think that we play a defense that forces Anderson to throw. Hell, I spy him twice, and I just say, great. If he hits some, great. But throughout the day, it's not going to happen. And I, I'm not as impressed with their secondary as some people are. Mm. Like, it's posed as strength, but I think that, I mean, Idaho scored 27 points against them. And granted, they scored that against us, too, in garbage time in the fourth quarter. But Idaho's not that good. So, like, this, this idea that somehow their defense is going to suffocate us kind of confuses me a little bit. I also think Davis is night and day better than the, the Cats. Yeah, oh yeah. And we came out with a game plan that for three quarters did well, and it fell apart because Davis was just a better team than us. But MSU's not. But MSU's not Davis, and they don't have the offensive. I mean, like, I really think as long as our offensive line can give Snead any amount of time and he's sacked three times or less, I think we're going to win. And that's the thing. Big. It's just time. I think we're going to win big. (laughs) I do. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I just, I mean, I think that people are underestimating us, and I think we're peaking at the right time. God, I look at this cat D-line, and it's like, I think about, uh, what was it, the New York Giants D-line that beat the undefeated Patriots when they had yeah. Justin Tuck and Michael Strahan, and they had another guy. I mean, like, the Cats, they got... Gray Rugermont. Yeah. He was a old lineman. Come on. <laughs> uh, I am shocked you knew that. I was just going to say, I'm he impressed played. that you remember the name, and I'm impressed that you knew who he was. Played for the Packers. Uh, he, oh. he went to the Pack afterwards. That's the, but, I mean, they got, <laughs> like, Sterk, Yates, and Faano. I mean, like, MSU has... The D line that all FCS wants, like they've got an edge rush, they've got interior strength, they I, they've got it all. Now, like Mike says, though, if and honestly, do you, who do you think is going to be able to neutralize the strength better, Rosie and Pease or Miller and whoever the hell else calls her plays on offense? Helps. I mean, obviously Rosie and Pease, right? I would think. Like the other thing is is. Miller's been calling the place for the Cats for three games now. Yeah. And they've gotten a little bit better each time, but often what happens when you change coordinators midseason is that you have a little burst of things look better. And then you go stale. And then you go stale because you don't have enough time to really change things up, and then you get everything out there on film. The Jason Seymour effect. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> if, you don't think, if you don't think that Hauk's going to be prepared for everything he thinks Miller's can run, I mean, I... I think we're going to shut their offense down. I, yeah, I, I can see, because we've seen this so much, There's Trey Anderson's going to rip off like a 60-yard touchdown. Right. Yeah. And there's probably going to be some goofy ass, he's going to throw a pass that no one's ready for, or like the third string tight end is going to like... <laughs> 
like throw some Statue of Liberty play to. I, there's going to be some goofiness, right? So I, I see fourteen to twenty one points on just like a a blown assignment to miss, you know, and then Anderson because Anderson in space like. We've seen it all year. I mean, he leads the big sky in rushing touchdowns. Uh, I don't think rushing yards, but he's damn close. And so it's just like, this guy's not. But again, like if the Grizz defense has a game plan where he gets less than 100 yards and doesn't get in the end zone, we we destroy them. Like, But it's, yeah. look at our season. And we're talking here, and you and I texted about this a little bit today, Bryn. But it's like, it's crazy to think that the Grizz are three plays away from being, what, eight and three right now? Two. Eight, eight and two. Eight and two. You were right up there I with mean, everybody else. You know, the fumble against Western Illinois. Yep. If Snead doesn't miss Jerry Lou McGee on, in Portland State, um, he probably scores a touchdown. Two plays before current fumbles. Yeah. I mean, so it's like you take a step Let's back see. and look at it, and everyone's like, oh, God, you've lost to PSU at home. And yeah, PSU was a <laughs> shitty game, but we still should have won it. Yep. You know, it's like Could've. we had adversity, and it's yep. like we figured out what teams were throwing at us, and we adjusted away from it. And this whole thing that Idaho was bad and Southern Utah was bad, sure, but Portland State was bad too. Yeah. So it's like this idea that we couldn't have we couldn't have learned from it drives me nuts. And Idaho missed an extra point by the same margin that they made that first field goal against us. Yeah. To not send that cat game to overtime. Yeah. In Bozeman. Like, so... Yeah. It, it's like, I just... it. I see... I saw Mason Petrino move the ball against the Cats. And I saw Mason Petrino this weekend, and Mason Petrino ain't good. He had 300 <laughs> passing yards, man. Oh, fuck that. All in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, I just think that <laughs> Sneed, who I've been rough on all year... Yep. Is better than they've really seen if you take out, you know, Gabrud earlier in the year when, you know, they ended his career. But I just, I, I, the Cats for a few years now have been this team that wins these close games against bad teams and occasionally beats a team that's maybe a little bit better than them with these close games that makes everybody think they're tough and all this, and they come back, and it's like, sure, <laughs> you're winning close games, but most of the teams they beat have shitty quarterbacks and shitty offenses. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I think that I think the, this is why the Grizz win. I mean, I, I don't know that we win big, like you said, Mike, but... I think we have the ability to score points that they don't have. And you ultimately need points to win football games, right? And that's, so, I mean, we have the ability to score points on any play. That's, that's like, you, you, so, again, like we talked about, fourth quarter, four minutes to go, you're down a score. Which offense is going to be able to get it done? Grizzlies. Ours. Um, on the other side of the ball, which defense is going to make the stop? Probably the Cats, right? Like, if that D-line is wrecking. I mean, again, I think it, that Cat D-line, if you neutralize that, that's going to be a great day for this offense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right, so, Mike, 
Give me your score. Oh, man. I don't know a score. I really don't. The over-under is 60 and a half points. 6-0? Six, 60 and a half points. Between oh these two teams? Are yes. you kidding me? Well, I mean, like, offense average is like Grizz are like 32 and Cats are 27, so that's probably... I was, I yeah, was going to say that's that something ridiculous. like that. It's going to be like 38-21 or no, something like that. But God. I just don't see that happening. No, not at all. But I do think the Grizz win by two plus touchdowns. But under 60 points. Should take on the under. No, Cat Grizz, trick plays, weird things are going to happen. But combined, I would take the over. No, it's going to be low. It's going to be like Grizz 27, Cats 24, 20, something like that. Like, I'll give the Cats, like, up to 20 points from weirdness and maybe something that they earned. But I think the Grizz got enough. It's going to be close. It's going to be a one-score game. I'm going 34-27. It's a tight game, guys. Uh, and, and that's a Grizz win for the record. What's interesting? Like, yeah, I already wrote it down. Okay. <laughs> what was the last low one score Grizz cat game? They're always cat wins when they're one score. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm trying to think. Because um, usually somebody outpaces somebody else in the fourth quarter, right? The tougher team. The team that eats more nails for breakfast. Cats beat us 24-17 in 2016. Okay. And then 2010, they beat us 21 16. Ugh. That was when we had the Halloween uniforms. Oh my god, that was so bad. 2006, we beat them 13 to 7. But you're right, by and large. I mean, it's usually not a one score game, it's usually a two ish. Yep. Yep. But again, it's, it's somebody outpaces. Somebody, when you hit the fourth quarter, one of the two teams, usually the Cats, is like, Dad, this ain't happening. Grizz tack on a late, and it's it's over. Hopefully that's the way it goes. Or it could be like Idaho. It could be over at the half. Grizz are up 36 to 3 or 6. Oh, my God, that'd be so amazing. <laughs> it's not going to happen, but that'd be amazing. <laughs> so do you think the Grizz are winning? I think the Grizz are winning. Right. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be super close. I, just, I don't see, like, this big... Differential. It's going to be close. I could kind of see it low scoring and high scoring. I, I don't know if any outcome would surprise me. Yeah, Luke and I were talking about this a little bit um, before we started the pod, but it's like I, I could see us winning either way. Um, like I don't, I don't have this feeling like, a, oh, if it's high scoring, that's the only way the Grizz win. If it's a low scoring, the Cats win. Like, I, don't, I don't necessarily see that. It's fun. Yeah, because, like, I could, and maybe it's, like, the homer in me. I could see a Grizz blowout after watching the last two games. Uh, see, he's coming around. I don't know if I he's could see a cat blowout. <coughs> but, I, I mean, although, hell, we were with Davis until ten minutes left in the game. The, and then the all of a sudden it was like, there's a cat blowout is if. Davis. Is like, a type, like, we just we'll turn apart. Like or if Sneed has a day like he did against Portland State where he was just bad. Yeah. True. Mm. All right, well, if that's everything. I think that's it, isn't it? Is it? I don't know if it is. <laughs> Mike, you know what time it is? It's time for the check down. It's time for the check down!
Shit, sorry. Mike fucked it up. <laughs> Mike, do you know what time it is? <laughs> it's time for the check down. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I took one of my check down questions and embedded it into the greater pod. Ooh. So it's going to be a little shorter. But to start this thing off, Mike, I need you to answer. Uh, put a final point on this. Is it Cat Grizz or Grizz Cat? Chris Cat. What's your line on the game? I think the Grizz are covering the over, and um, they're going to win by two touchdowns. Yeah, we're seven points spread right now. Carroll College coach Mike Van Deest retired today after 20 seasons and six NAI championships. Not a chance. Could he have been a winning coach for the Grizz? No. No? No. Wow. Do you hit on 13 when the dealer's showing six? Yes. <laughs> Why didn't you win money at the casino? <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole strategy to blackjack that I don't know. <laughs> That's it. I was going to ask you about the spreads and stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Feel good today. Oh, man. That was quick. <laughs> Last week, Brent had a whole lot of pent-up BWR. Oh, aggression. my God. I had like 30 questions. It went on forever. <laughs> but it, I was like too soft in the asking. I was like, so how do you feel about rainy days? I was <laughs> <laughs> like... What's your favorite road trip snack? You know, I went with Mike and Ike's this time. Somebody brought Pringles. Those were good. Pringles are good. Yeah. The thing I don't like about Pringles is I think they're a weak chip. Like, they wouldn't be able to withstand, like, a bag. They'd just turn into dust. You're correct. They need, like, the stack and the cone. Nope. I don't respect their weakness. <laughs> they're the bobcats of potato chips. Exactly. Once you pop, you can't stop. Ooh. Um, all right, well, I think that's it for us this week. All right, anything good from you, Brent? No, nah, I'm good. Anything FTC. Else? FTC, anything else good from you? Nope. All right, well, if we uh, know you, we'll see you a little bit sooner, maybe at the game this weekend. If not, we'll talk to you next week. Go Grizz! Fight on! FTC. Fight on.